Hi, welcome back to Louise's Bible Study. <clears throat> we are doing a continuation study on prayer. I know some people think, well, how much longer can she stay in the area of prayer? Prayer, faith, all of these things are our, our connection to God and for our connection in the natural to receiving what we need. And if we don't understand how to pray successfully... And I have seen so many people give up in their prayer life or just throw it all out the door because they don't get the answer that they want either immediately or uh, they're not willing to persevere and they don't understand how faith works with your prayers and how patience and uh, the fruit of the Spirit are so important in cooperating with your prayer life. So we're going to go back over and over and again because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And so often when I talk to people, did you get this? And I'll go back and they'll, they'll look at me like they have no idea what I'm talking about. Because let me tell you, when I tell you these things, the best thing you can do is take notes write it down go back over it look at it again because you would be surprised how you will think you've gotten something and then you've missed it and the other thing is so often i may say something and you may hear one thing and it may have nothing to do with what i'm saying so if you write it down you can go back and check it out um so one of the we're going to go over again the seven most important things in prayer and one of the things i want to say is the lord's prayer is not a new covenant prayer jesus gave this prayer to the disciples under the old covenant now we have to remember people get it so messed up Understand that the Gospels were written under the Old Covenant. Jesus ministered under the law. Grace, which comes through the church and the new birth, had not been given until Christ rose from the dead and was seated at the right hand of the Father. So when we read the Gospels and we read the Old Testament, we have to understand that it was being ministered under the old covenant or as we would say the law and jesus fulfilled the law so that we don't have to be under the law we are under grace but under the law they didn't know how to pray to god they had to have an, uh, someone pray for them. They had to have a priest. And the only way the priest could hear from God was that they threw these stones called uman. And when they would throw the stone and the person had asked them, well, should I do this? Should I buy this land? Should I marry this woman? Blah, blah, blah. And, and the priest would throw the stones and God would call cause the stones to either come up yes or no now we can all look at that and say well gosh dog that sounds like a uh, witchcraft no it's not witchcraft because we were going through a priest 
And because the Holy Spirit had not been given in the Old Testament, they did not have the ability to approach God on their grounds. They did not have the ability to approach God except through an intercessory, the priest. And the priest couldn't even hear from God because he did not have the inviting of the Holy Spirit. That's why we live under such an awesome, awesome covenant. We have so much more under our covenant of grace than they ever had. And you know, when you read and you look back and see the things that David and Joseph and Joshua and Elijah and all of these others did, and they didn't even have the, the, the anointing power that we operate in on a daily basis. But, you know, Satan has stopped that knowledge from coming into the body of Christ because he knows how powerful it is. So if you could just get a hold of this, it will transform your life and it will transform how you pray, how you believe, and, and your all of your situations. Um the Old Testament prayer, the our, our Father which is in heaven, was sort of a template, uh, a diagram that Jesus gave to the disciples of what prayer is about. And we're not going to go into that right now, but I just want you to know that's number number one. Pray to the Father in Jesus' name. We are told explicitly by Jesus that in that day they had not prayed to the Father in Jesus' name, but there would be a day, which would be our day, that we go and approach God in Jesus' name. Now, let me tell you something. People get it messed up because they pray to Jesus and not to the Father. That is wrong. Jesus is your bridge between you and the Father. And his name gives you the authority to approach God. And so when you go to the Father in Jesus' name, not in Christ's name. Christ is his deity. Jesus is humanity. When you approach God in the name of Jesus, and even in Acts, Paul and others would say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You could not get any more explicit about his humanity. But he said, approach, pray to the Father in my name. He also said, and it's interesting because people say, well, God is not a goody-goody machine that just doles out everything right and left. No, God, we, God is a God of faith. And if you're going to get anything from God, you're going to have to come on the grounds of faith. So we're going to study about faith in a little bit, but you have to come on the grounds of faith. Faith says that I believe, that I receive the minute I pray, not when I get the answer. Because, see, we're so used in the natural, I will believe it when I see it. That's your natural man. That's your senses. But as a spiritual person, 
We don't operate like that. We operate according to God's principles. And God says that you get it the minute you pray and you rejoice for what you have received until you see the manifestation. And we've missed it so often because we pray. We don't instantly receive our healing. We don't instant receive the things that we are praying about. And we become discouraged. And our thinking is, well, God must not have heard me. God must not have decided to answer me. Or it is not his will. Okay, that is a poor excuse right there for not getting your prayers answered. Because God said that his word is his will. That's what Old Testament and New Testament means. It is a will. If that's what a testament is. It is a will. And this is the last will and testament that God has given to us. And if you want to know what is your inheritance, if you want to know what your rights and privileges are, if you want to know how far you can go as far as asking God for things, then you need to read the book. You need to get in there for yourselves. And you see, we're so used to going on Sunday, having some minister spoon feed us. And I want to tell you, I've gone to some denominations. They don't even take their church or their Bible to church. I know people that have gone to church all their lives and don't even have a Bible. I actually had to give a Bible to somebody uh, that was 70 years old because she didn't have one. And yet she had gone to church all her life and considered herself saved. And I thought, oh my goodness, how sad. How really sad. Because I want to tell you, it does, you know, even as a teacher, when I would have a Bible study, even when I go to teach in churches, I always tell people, get your Bible out, take your notes, go home, check out what I am saying, and if it does not line up in the Word, you have a right to confront me. I had a girl that was in my Bible study one time, we were talking about healing, and it was uh, stuff that she had never learned before, and she was an act, she just took notes like crazy, and uh her friend who had encouraged her to come to the Bible study told me that she would go home immediately after the Bible study and stay up at night checking everything that I had said out in the Word. And she was amazed that it was in there, that what I said lined up explicitly with what God had said. But she was also amazed that she had never learned this, how sad it is. And so you can't just go to church on Sunday and have some minister spoon feed you his interpretation either of the Bible or of his denominational doctrine. I had one minister one time, I spoke to him about the, uh, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I know it's in there. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've read it. I can quote the, the scriptures. And I said, well, then why don't you teach it? Why do you get so upset if anybody even brings it up? He said, because my denomination doesn't believe it. 
and I'm going to go with my denomination. Uh, I can tell you for a fact that within a year, he lost that church, and I haven't heard of him since. You see, we have a moral responsibility to teach the whole word of God, not just what man says about it, but what God says about it. And so I encourage you to get into the word and find out. So I'm telling you that when you pray, you have to pray along certain lines if you want to be successful. Um, I play tennis. I love it because after I had COVID, I needed something to help me uh, exercise and um, and, and help my lungs to recuperate. And so I went back to tennis and I have a wonderful tennis teacher. And so I started taking lessons on a really regular basis. And he was teaching me a forehand that I had wanted to do for a long, long time, but could never do. I never had anybody that really could teach it to me. But he did. He's very, very talented in teaching how to execute certain things so that you can be successful in playing tennis. And uh, and we worked very hard. And so uh, somebody said one time, I want that forehand. And I said, well, are you willing to go out and take lessons? Uh, well, now, uh, no, I just play, you know, uh, once a couple times a week. I'll take a lesson once in a while. And I thought, you're never going to get this forehand by taking a lesson once in a while. And it's the same thing we have in the spirit realm. You are never going to be a very successful prayer warrior, a very successful Christian, when you only take and go to church and get spoon-fed a little bit every once in a while. You know, we put, we, we feed our flesh uh, six hot meals a day, and we give our poor spirit man one cold snack a week. And we expect him to grow on that, and we don't. So if you are listening to this Bible study, I'm going to pinch your flesh in some areas. I'm going to challenge you. And I'm not going to challenge you any more than I myself have been challenged. And I'm still learning how to walk out the Word of God. I'm still learning the, the, the walk of faith. And I'm never going to stop learning until I either go to sleep or am raptured out of this um, world. So the number two, the number two thing is that you believe you receive when you pray. And we just said that you have to believe it when you pray, not when you see it. Um, and then you have to keep what you have received by faith. That means you have to guard your thought life. You have to not only guard your thought life, you have to guard who you hang out with. You have to guard what you, what teaching you receive. You know, some people say, well, I want to, to grow in faith and I want to learn this faith walk and I want to learn the principles and uh, I want to be successful. And they'll read the books, they listen to the teaching, and then they go back into a church 
or a situation or they hang out with people that are not believing in faith, that don't understand the principles of faith. And they will speak doubt and unbelief into their lives and you become a double-minded person. And so you have to guard as any child or any athlete or anybody that's striving to be successful will tell you, you know, if you're an athlete, you can't go out and eat a, a nothing but sugar and cake and candies and brownies and and maybe occasionally a good steak or some protein and vegetables. You have to stay away from the sweets and keep your body on a strict regiment of what it needs in order to mature um, in its muscle mass. And so your spiritual muscle mass is not going to grow on dainties, on food that only flea, uh, feeds your flesh, that only feeds your tickling ears, that never challenge you and doesn't give you the proper nutrients that you need to grow spiritually. And I'm going to tell you something else. You can't hang around with people that are constantly speaking doubt and unbelief into your life. You can't. Well, Louise, you mean I have to give up my friends? Well, let me tell you something. Uh, I remember when I got into the faith movement back in Lakeland, Florida, I had just been in, I joined the junior league. That was a big deal. And, um, and it was quite an honor back then to be invited to be in the junior league. And, uh, I, I, I really had wanted that for a long time. Um, I was a single divorced mother. And I was the first divorced person that ever got invited into the junior league there. And um, I was so thrilled. And, you know, God will give you sometimes or allow things to come into your life. And then when I was moving into the area of faith, I started hanging out with other people. I started hanging out with people that were going to Bible studies and going to Kenneth Hagin ministries and going to teach, hearing teachers that were teaching faith. And it was it was becoming disruptive in my life, I found, to to socialize in one area and maintain a footing in the other. And uh, all of a sudden, I had to make a decision, and God had called me to go off to Raymond to Bible Training Center. And I, I had to literally put all of that that I thought was so important, and all those people that I thought was so important to, to socialize with, I, I didn't mean I didn't love them. I loved them dearly. But I realized they were not going to add the proper things into my life. It was pulling me away. You cannot have one foot in the world, so to speak, and one foot in the spirit. It doesn't work that way. And so I had to make a choice. And I remember when I went off to Ramah, all those friends that I had valued and worked so hard to be a part of, uh, they dumped me because they thought I was a wacko. And, um, but you know what? 
I'm going to tell you something. God never left my side, and he encouraged me the whole way. And sometimes we have to make very difficult choices, and we have to choose what do we want. Do we want the world? Do we want to be popular? Are we in a popularity contest? Or are we going to choose God? So sometimes we have to make choices as to where we go to feed on and who we hang out with. You know, if you're standing in faith and you're guarding your mind and your heart from unbelief, and then you start telling and running your mouth, and we're going to get into this in this next session, about what you're believing. I promise you, Satan will set you up for a disaster because he will make sure that somebody, and I've actually had people that were my friends but were of an, a different denomination actually attack me and get angry with me because I contributed the blessings that were coming my way to God. And um, and and I found that they were running all over my faith. They were not only running it down, but they were saying things like, well, I know blah, 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 who went to church all her life and loved God and taught Sunday school and yada, yada, yada. And she died of cancer and everybody in the church had prayed for her, but it just must have been God's will for her to die of cancer. And I want to tell you, that's a lie from Satan. That's a pure lie from hell. But it, it will rock your boat if you're a new believer in this area and you're trying to stand in faith because suddenly you'll begin to think, oh dear, well, maybe that's going to happen to me. Well, let me tell you, there are a lot of things going on in that, unbel- in that other person's life. Did that other person believe in faith? Did she believe that God honestly wanted to heal her? Because a lot of people don't. Did she did she have unforgiveness in her life? You know, you can look at the outward person, but you don't know what's in their heart. And you don't know if they've been harboring unforgiveness in their hearts for so long. And, and God's very explicit. He said, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, I can't hear you. And so you don't know. You have no idea. You don't know if there was sin in her life. You don't know if she was just ignorant of God's blessings. You have no idea. But let me tell you what you do know. God's word never changes. God never changes. And if God says it, it's a done deal. And you better make your mind up. Are you going to go with God or are you going to go with man's opinion? And let me tell you. You cannot base the truth of God's word and how it works on the life of another person. You never can. God never said, watch so-and-so and see how it plays out in their life. And if it works in them, then it'll work in you. No, he never said that. He said, read my word. And that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Read the will. And if you abide in God's word and the word abides in you, it will transform the desires of your heart 
that they will begin to line up with God's desire. And then you'll find yourself praying for things that are actually in line with God's will in your life. So, you know, God has nothing wrong with blessing us. It's just that he doesn't want the blessings to come before him. So there's, you know, there are a lot of factors involved here. And, uh, but the most important thing is you need to find out what God says is your blessing. Okay, that's going to end our tape for right now on this. And um, I love you all. Uh, Take notes. Think about what I've said and go back and we're going to continue on. I've got some things to say about confession in our next study. So stay with me. Love every one of you. Bye-bye.